The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from St. Luke. It is chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, and can be found on your pew Bible, in your pew Bible, on page 1623. Luke records this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple." And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it, will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? And if he is not able, he will send out a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. And in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever hears, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's uh, wonderful to have Bang back with us. You play beautifully. Thank you. How many of you would like to play the piano like that? Now, wait a minute. Before you raise your hands and say yes to that question, let's see what it would cost to be able to play the piano, and then let's see if you're willing to pay the price. I don't play the piano, so I'm coming from a point of conjecture purely right now. But for this sermon, let's just go with it. First of all, you would have to buy a piano. 
in order to play the piano. It would be rather silly to say that you wanted to play the piano and you weren't willing to go out and buy one, would it? Wouldn't it? So the first thing you would need to do is to look for a piano. And, and if you look online, you will find used pianos. And there was one uh, recently that I saw for $700. The ad said it needed some repairs. So it probably wasn't a very good one. And I guess we could say it's a start. 700 bucks. 700 bucks. Do you still want to play the piano now? The next thing you would need to do is to find a teacher. And after all, um, you really can't teach yourself. I am evidence of that. If you want to play well, you need to look for somebody to guide you. And again, in the paper, there is uh, an ad for $25 a week for somebody to teach you once a week. Now, that'd be $100 a month. And doing that math real quick, $1,200 a year, you still want to learn to play piano? So what else would we need to do? Yeah, okay. Just answered my own question. We'll need some music, some sheet music. We want to go to the music store and, and, and see what's in the music books. And, and by doing that, you can find music books, and they're around $10 to $15. And that sounds cheap to me, but if you want to buy a single sheet of music, it usually costs somewhere around $5 a piece. Do you still want to play piano? So now that you have a piano, you have a teacher and some music, you must be willing to practice. Most piano teachers require their students to practice at least one hour every day. That means that there will be times when other activities are calling to you. And you must practice. For little boys and girls, or rather little boys when I was growing up, that was somewhat of a stigma attached back in the 60s and 70s if you um, had to bail out of a pickup baseball game or a basketball game because you had piano lessons. So there's another cost for the young ones. Nowadays, I don't think that uh, that really carries, but boy, it sure did when I was a child. Some even called guys that played piano sissies for doing so. Now, those same guys, a few of them are my friends in college and later in, in business, and we'd be out and about, and they'd start railing on that piano. They were pretty cool, short-sidedness. So if you want to play the piano, you have to count the cost and make sure you are willing to, play, to pay the price. Did you know this? That Jesus said that same thing as we heard in our scripture today. He said if they wanted to be his disciples, he told them that they had to follow him and, and they had to count the cost. 
and he said that they had to be willing to take up their cross daily and follow him. To follow him, they might have to be willing to give up their family and their friends. Jesus said that the people might make fun of them, call them names. Some people might even want to hurt them. They had to count the cost and to make sure that they were willing to pay the price. A lot of people today say that they want to follow Jesus. They, they do join the church. And for a while, they may be present every single week. But when they find out how much it is going to cost, they fall away. And being a true follower of Jesus is this. It's not easy always. But it's always worth it if you're willing to pay the price. Today's gospel is particularly hard to hear, and from the pulpit, it's particularly hard to say. And you heard me in my inflection of my voice when I repeated the words recorded by Luke as said by Jesus where he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate their father and their mother and their wife and their children and their brothers and their sisters, yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. Did that bother you? Does that pierce your heart? Does that cause a little bit of maybe sweaty palms? Like, oh my gosh. The admittance to this club is pretty strict. There's a word, as we find out through study of Scripture, to describe the hate in this particular verse. And unfortunately, it loses meaning or, or adds more meaning when it gets translated into English. But the word is sane. And it's not hate like we know. It's unloved. For an example of this, we go to Jacob. And we know that Jacob loved, I mean loved, Rachel. And Leah, not so much. That's the difference. There was this all-out love. But for Leah, who he was betrothed to, not so much. San A. So when Jesus is talking to us about hating parents or children. He's not saying that you have to despise, abhor. What he's saying is that he, Jesus, must be your priority. The priority of our devotion. That's what he's telling him. He says, I must be first. That's what he would say. And he's not saying, again, hear me. Are you listening? 
please hear me. He's not saying to loathe your family. He's saying put God first. Now why would Jesus say such a thing? Knowing us, I mean, isn't that kind of a given? Oh yeah, we love you. I'll follow you, even unto death. I'm telling you, I don't know that man. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. So why is it important that we hear this? Why is it important that we count the cost? We are counting the cost of following him against the cost of following what? Following idols. The cost of following Jesus versus the cost of someone calling me a sissy. Oh, that's piano, but they call Christians even worse today. The cost of me following Jesus, participating in the church family versus hanging out with St. Mattress. That's why he brings it up. We see in uh, Deuteronomy 13, the, the bottom line of that, and I am going to read it to you, but the bottom line of Deuteronomy 13 is a warning, warning among other things that, that one thing is that family, and a family that brings you away from Yahweh, family functions, relatives, anything that brings you away from Yahweh, the warning is do not listen because they're trying to take you away from, listen to this, this is an important part, the Lord. They're trying to take you away from the Lord of the covenant by distracting you. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 16, worshiping other gods. Hear this, please. It says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken takes place, and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, little g, gods that you have not known, and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It seems like somebody else has said that. What must I do to have eternal life? It is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. That prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God you who brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you and from the land, he redeemed you from the land of slavery. That prophet or dreamer tried to turn you from the way of the Lord your God commanded you to follow. You must purge the evil from among you. If your very own brother or your son or your daughter or the wife you love or your closest friend secretly entices you saying, let us go and worship other gods, little g, 
gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known, gods of the peoples around you, whether near or far, from one end of the land to the other. Do not yield to them or listen to them. Show them no pity. Do not spare them or shield them. You must certainly put them to death. Your hand must be the first in putting them to death. And then the hands of all the people stone them to death because they tried to... This is serious. Now today, Jesus is, would not be, and nor is your pastor, advocating that we put them to death. Right? No, what Jesus is advocating and what Jesus is telling you and what this pastor is telling you that it's not, he's not telling you to hate your family or to hate those that would deceive you or pull you away from the truth. I'm not saying to destroy them or anything like that. It's just saying that you should put them aside and that Jesus should be your priority. Always, Jesus, your priority. Leo Shema. Do you remember that word? It was used to describe the heart that, that uh, Solomon asked the Lord to, to give him. A heart that was in tune with Jesus Christ. A heart with eyes and ears to it. Often you've heard me pray. You've prayed it yourself. I've heard that. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Leo Shema, a heart that is for you, Father, that hears you through your Holy Spirit. I want that heart. You have that heart. You've been given that heart through your baptism. When that word and that water made you new again, So you are able to love God with all your heart and all your strength because he gave you that love through his Holy Spirit. He is the Lord of the covenant. He is the Lord of the covenant. He says, pick up your cross and follow me even up to crucifixion. And we do, we follow him as cross bearers. And yet the world is pulling us in many different directions. And there's another story that we told and you heard from this pulpit of Mary and Martha. And Mary was at his feet with a heart, a Laoshema heart, wanting to hear Jesus, wanting to know Jesus, wanting to have a relationship with Jesus, just Jesus, the Lord of the covenant. Martha wanted that too, but Martha was about this. And rather than hearing him, and she was preparing, and someone had to prepare, but she was pulled in many directions. 
And we know that we need to be Martha sometimes. And we know that these things do pull. But when these things pull us away completely from a relationship with Jesus, we know that that ought not be. And we know that we aren't of that because of our baptism. Yesterday, little Miss Lily, granddaughter to Hank and Doris, became the newest member of the church body, a little sister we have. Boy, is she cute, you guys. You should have seen her. And that girl can talk. She was so excited. Her parents were excited. Grandma and Grandpa were excited. Pastor Phil Tuquel was excited. Got to see him again. Hadn't seen him since I was 13 years old. That's 42 years ago. I remember him as being taller. It was a blessing. And that day yesterday, little Lily was given through the Holy Spirit, through the renewal, rejuvenation of the word and water, a heart, a Leoshema heart. And it is up to us to encourage her to say, yeah, those things aren't good for you. Come, here's the good thing. Here's the good thing. This is where your heart needs to be. You need to have adoration. You need to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. And we know what the opposite of that is. When we heard the story of the banquet where people were invited in and the doors were closed and on the outside they were knocking and saying, hey, let me in. And the one who was throwing the banquet said, depart from me. I don't know you. It wasn't a knowledge knowing, right? Remember that? It was, I don't have a relationship with you. They said, yeah, but we, you know, we listened to you on the streets, and, 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 and we might have had lunch together, but come on, let us in. We sang your praises. He goes, get away from me, you evildoers. I do not know you. Not knowledge, no. Relational, no. And so that is what Jesus is saying to the hearers of his word. You got to know me. And I got to be a priority to you. Even above family that would pull you away. That's the point. The object is to bring our family with us, amen? The object is, is to fill that banquet hall with those who love Jesus, amen? The object is, is to point people to Christ so that they have a heart that is leo shema, amen? We don't have to count the costs, really, because he paid a cost and a price that we couldn't pay. We just have to receive. And we did. And you did. In your baptism, you received newness. And you wear Christ. You are in with your Laoshema heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen.